You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Um, so I made a, a decision yesterday that I would go to bed at halftime um, because I wanted to be able to do the podcast. And I also figured there have been times in the past where I have given up, <clears throat> gone to bed, and missed a miraculous comeback. Not very often i know it's mostly happened with teams that i don't super care about but um that didn't work but the other part of it was um if i went to bed by halftime i could get up and just be really tired but probably still do the show now i did sleep through my first alarm so got up at four instead of three so this isn't going to be a super long episode but um the good news is there's not a lot to say about this and obviously i haven't had a lot of time to process it i um was upset yesterday, went to bed, woke up, and have been stewing while I was drinking my instant coffee, because I don't even have enough time to brew a pot of coffee. So cold instant coffee, which just kind of makes you slightly more grumpy, um, on top of the fact that it's, you know, Monday and, you know, holiday stress and everything else, and the Packers just, they just really, really just laid it on there. Like, how's everything? Well, nothing's really too bad. But, you know, it's Monday, all those things that laid out, it's dark, we get like four hours of sunlight now, it's cold, I'm tired. Oh, and by the way, the Packer game, which isn't just one thing, that's just like a folder that all the things are sitting in. All the horrible, terrible things are just sitting in this little folder called the Packer game. So anyways, we're going to soldier on here, because, I mean, what else are we going to do? I guess I'll give my thoughts, which there, there really aren't many, there, there, in my opinion. And again, I haven't had a lot of time to process this. There's really only one way to look at this, and that's the way I'm going to tell you how to look at this. Not that you have to, because I don't really care. It's just the conclusion I've come to. Um, and then there's been a few questions, or at least one, and uh, there's the Facebook group. So we'll turn to that in times of need, and this is a time of need, although it's not going to help me feel better. Um, you know... Just, just see how dire things got. But let's take our break and uh, get it rocking. Oh, wait. Preliminaries. Um, GoFundMe, which, to be completely honest, one of the best things about this GoFundMe is that I have to actually, with a straight face, talk about how horrible my life is because it's cold and the Packers lost, and then somehow transition to, oh, by the way, if you could spare $5 for the families of children with cancer... <sighs> I kind of want to just kick myself in the face right now, but, you know, whatever. Again, I'll just continue to soldier on here. 
But a very special thank you to Matthew, who donated um, 33 bucks, putting us over the $700 mark. So as of right now, in 17 days, we've raised $703. I'm incredibly grateful, and I cannot wait for Christmas to get here. And uh, this is one of the biggest reasons why. So anyways, as always, if you have a little bit extra, every little bit helps. Uh, we do have a new t-shirt design. I'm hesitant to even roll it out because I feel like it would just uh, not be well received today. So I might just postpone that a little bit. Put a lot of work and time and effort and money into this. And the last thing I want to do is be like, check this out. Packers are awesome t-shirt. And everyone's like, no, Packers are terrible. I'm not buying that t-shirt. So I don't know. We'll, we'll let the uh, let things cool off for a little bit. And then, uh, what else? What was the third thing? I can't even think today. Oh, Instagram. Uh, I will talk to uh, Mr. Instagram Maker. Make sure that he selected a winner. And if so, actually, I was supposed to have an answer for you today. I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> I'll have to follow up with him and see if we can get you an answer by tomorrow for who the winner was. Actually, I could be wrong. Maybe there is. A... We're not doing it today anyways. We'll do it tomorrow. I do have a pile of messages that I haven't read. Why don't we just take our break and get through this. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So as I'm sure you're aware, the Packers have not had a lot of success on the West Coast. Fortunately, that will not be happening again until the playoffs. So if you'd like to see the Packers play well, this would be a good time to peruse some Packers tickets and see about maybe getting you a little bit of action. And as you already know as well, which is a sentence, Vivid Seats is probably your best bet. They're the top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price, look for the seats in the section and row of your choice. You can do it all within the app. They've also got the loyalty program that allows you to earn credit back with Vivid Seats rewards. So go on to the App Store and Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, and you're automatically enrolled in said Vivid Seats rewards. You also got that 100% buyer guarantee. And when it's time to buy new users, enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. It's a pretty sweet deal, man. I'm just saying go check it out. So the goal, I guess, right now, and I somewhat talked about this at some point recently either that or it was in one of the episodes i listened to recently which let me remind you very quickly for this entire week because i've already pre-uploaded them we are going to be having the on this day in packers history so i'm pretty excited about that so for anybody that's confused as to what, why we're getting two episodes a day the second episode which is going to be uploaded at 5 p.m is an episode of On This Day in History. It's one year ago from the day that it's uploaded, and it just kind of gives you sort of a general feel of where the Packers are at. And, and strangely, it's a similar feel today as we felt um, about 365 days ago. It shouldn't be, though. To be very clear, it shouldn't be. It feels similar, but the fact that the Packers have the record that they have, the fact that the, fact that the Packers are basically guaranteed to get into the playoffs... Um, pending just an absolute and utter disgusting collapse, which there's no real reason to believe that that's coming. But anyways, here's sort of the general thought. The question is, what? how do we analyze this situation with as little emotion as possible? Just like a computer analyzing the situation. And I think what we got to do 
is just ask the question, what are the Green Bay Packers? And we're slowly learning what the answer to that question is. And that changes from day to day, game to game. But by the end of the season, there is a general, like, this is the story of the 2019, 2018, 2017 Packers. And we're slowly learning what that story is. And I'm, I'm, I'm far from giving up, but just understand, I'm, I'm just running through some general musings. Number one, let's just remember the fact that the Packers were never supposed to be where they are right now. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible, and I'm not giving them an out or an excuse. you got to win, all that stuff. I get it. But it would have been, let's, let's, let's say it, the Packers still do win the Super Bowl. It will be one of the only times in all of human history that a team is able to do what the Packers and Matt LaFleur will have done if they can win a Super Bowl this year. From a losing and broken and distraught team to come back in one year and win Super Bowl is just something that doesn't happen. And when you look at the infrastructure of the teams that they're going to have to beat in order to make that happen, including the San Francisco 49ers, that's a pretty tall order. The 49ers have been building for some time now, and they've also been in this weird zone where for a second they're good, but then they have a ton of injuries and they're able to pick really, really high. So they've had a lot of high picks because they've been bad. Then they got Garoppolo, and it's like, dude, this is a for-real team, but they didn't get him until the end of the season, so they still drafted relatively high. And then the next year Garoppolo's hurt, and then they draft really high. And So they've got all these really high draft picks, and they've got a couple of other good picks like Kittle and things that are just kind of working. And then you throw in Shanahan, and you throw in the fact that they've been using this system for some time now. Things are basically just coming together for the 49ers, right? Rather than looking at it in a vacuum and just saying 2019 Packers versus 2019 49ers, this is first-year Packers against, you know, third-year 49ers. And by the way, Kyle Shanahan, who is this offensive guru that everybody's like, oh, man, greatest guy in the history of the universe, he went 6-10 and 10 in his first year. This has been a long slog, and yes, that's you know, half a year at Jimmy Garoppolo, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't matter. The point is, Jimmy Garoppolo has been in the system three years. You know, uh, Matt Breida has been here for three years. Kyle Juszczyk has been here for three years. Raheem Mostert. These are the same. George Kittle has been there for three years. Did, did we hear George? Do you know in 2017 who George Kittle even was? I didn't know who he was until last year. It's the same guys. Same guys doing the same stuff. Even Robbie Gold was there three years ago. It feels like he just got there. Nope, he's been there. Same is true with the defense, and they've built a lot of, you know, they've had a lot of extra pieces added. They've done a lot of extra things to try to turn this thing around, especially in the draft, but also adding people like Richard Sherman through free agency. But Eric Armstead's been there. DeForest Buckner's been there. You know, two of the the three um, cornerbacks that we were talking about yesterday have been there all three years, Kaywan Williams and Akello Witherspoon. Jimmy Ward, who broke up that pass to Jimmy, which technically was a catch, but at this point, who really cares? It's not even worth complaining about because it doesn't really mean anything unless you think momentum was going to change it that much. Not going there. But he was there. DJ Jones, the guy that just absolutely embarrassed Corey Lindsley. He's been there for three years. It's the same team, man. And Kyle Shanahan has been 6-10 and and 4-12. and This year, they're 9-1. and It's just clicking. After three years, it's all coming together. And yes, Garoppolo being there is helping, but that's not the whole story. It's not like, well, it's because he... Eh. Garoppolo isn't exactly the savior of the universe here. 
The defense is coming together. The offensive scheme is just unbelievable. And George Kittle really makes the, the, the biggest difference. I mean, even in this game, what, what happens in this game if you take George Kittle away? I mean, the defense basically shut this offense down for most of what I saw in the first half. They, it, it was one of those things where it was like after a while, the defense just wasn't holding anymore. And that's what that, that happens every time. Every single time, if the offense isn't coming back, if the offense isn't scoring points after all these times of the defense making stops, eventually the dam's going to break. And that dam essentially was almost exclusively George Kittle. Again, I'm not giving up on the season. I just want, I'm, I'm working through a little bit of perspective. And, and, and it's not all that unusual that occasionally, especially when the chips are down, some of those glimpses of what we saw in 2018 come back. Some of the really bad habits of Aaron Rodgers are still in there. I think of, of all the horrible things that happened, one of the most frustrating things that in the moment when I just said, you know what, I'm done with this, the game was far from over. It was first and 10. We run it for four yards. That's fine. The, the biggest problem is we don't want to be in third and long situations. So I'm looking at a, th- a second and six saying, let's try to get four. Aaron Rodgers drops back and launches a rocket to a guy that is blanketed. And of course, that guy is Devontae Adams. He can't stop. He just can't stop doing that. There was, there was, I, I think it was maybe the second drive. They came out and he launched a deep pass to MVS. He was, he was completely blanketed. So now we're in second and ten. These incomplete passes to guys that are not open because I've just got this magical arm and I'm going to save the day and I'm going to trust my wide receivers to just make a play. And it wasn't even a good, none of these were even good passes. It's one thing if it's a good pass and the guy just isn't winning the 50-50 ball. These aren't even good passes to begin with. But he's got to just do it. He just, it's, when the chips are down, he says, I'm going to control this thing. Rather than just relying on an intelligent game plan of let's try to get in third and manageable. And if we happen to convert on second down, bonus. But let's shoot for third and two. Well, we didn't convert any of the third down. So what? That's its own problem. Not being able to get into third and short is an additional problem. But, you know, I mean, there, there, were, there were things that weren't bad, but there were just so many bad things that we couldn't overcome the 49ers. It, you know, if you think about it in Madden, when you're playing a friend who has like one play and you don't know how to defend it, it's not that the whole team is trash. It's just that you got the one team that, or the one play that you just can't defend against. And Corey Lindsley just got whooped. I mean, he, he from what I saw, almost single-handedly uh, lost the Packers this game. And I know that, well, Bakhtiari and all this other stuff, and th- there were a lot of things, but I don't know how many times we could see on, on when we didn't convert a third down, it was because Corey... Lindsley got beat by DJ Jones. How many times? And it's one thing if if Bakhtiari's having a hard time with Bosa, who's having a year that is, I mean, it just it doesn't happen. It's an entirely different thing when some no name nobody is just completely destroying your center. And 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 look, this is the same, basically the same game that we saw against the the Chargers, where just nobody feels like they want to play. You know, I, I have a hard time putting a lot of blame on Bakhtiari, although you kind of hope that a guy like Bakhtiari can handle those situations. Didn't look like he was doing that good of a job. Um, but Lindsley didn't want to show up. The offensive line in general just really, really struggled, which I understand is expected, but it's not not exactly. I expect Bosa to give people a hard time. I don't expect DJ Jones to give anyone a hard time. To be very clear, DJ Jones has eight pressures through the entire season. Eight pressures. I didn't say eight sacks. I said eight pressures. 
Eight pressures in eight games is about one pressure per game. PFF has given him an average defensive grade, average run defense grade, average tackling grade, average pass rush grade. It's just it's not good. Now, to be fair, he's been absolutely on fire the last couple weeks. He even had an elite pass rush grade last week. But even in that game, he had two pressures, one sack. I don't know if this guy's turning some kind of a massive corner, but he embarrassed Corey Lindsley. And yes, of course, Alex Light also had a terrible day. That's also to be expected. Something you don't necessarily expect is for, well, (laughs) something I shouldn't have to expect, but have come to is the fact that Kevin King got absolutely annihilated last night. I mean, it wasn't good for anybody, but there were certain people that stood out that was like, okay, so you're just not going to play today? Corey Lindsley and Kevin King were those two guys. And I've been talking about Corey Lindsley for a while. And I understand he's likable. We all like him. He seems safe. We don't really hear his name as being negative. And we also hear constantly that he's one of the best centers in football. So when we hear he's one of the best, and we don't really see him doing a lot of bad stuff, the, the general consensus is, well, he's just one of the best. I mean, obviously. Not like I ever watch him or really know anything about him, but people tell me he's the best, and I want to believe he's the best. And I'm looking at it going, cool, fine, great. How much are we paying him next year? Like, as opposed to moving Elton Jenkins maybe to center or just drafting a different center, how much are we willing to pay this guy? Fully acknowledging we might be moving backwards at center. Still, when the accountants start crunching the numbers and I say something to the effect of we can save about $8.5 million if we move on from Corey Lindsley next year, are we positive, positive that that's not going to happen? It might not. I mean, I I thought, again, I thought Jimmy Graham was gone just because the price doesn't match the value. And I acknowledge that we're probably better with him than without him. But, you know, we're talking about the Green Bay Packers here who like to save money. And eh, 30-year-old guy who's getting whooped, who's, you know, one of the top centers, but there's not a lot of good centers, so overall his play is good, not great. I just, I don't know, man. And and Kevin King, he he came into the grade not came into the game still not even having that good of a grade overall, but via PFF, and he got absolutely lit up last night. So that's not going anywhere. I almost put my money on him yesterday, and then I thought, no, not feeling it. Instead, I put my money on Rashawn. I don't know. My my hope for him in the stock market game was that he would come in on just a couple snaps and do really really well, either get a sack or just play the run really well well enough that it it'll make his grade go up. We'll see how that goes, but I'm very glad I didn't decide to put my money on Kevin King because if we flip over to PFF's uh, what they call refocused, they kind of just do some real quick analysis based on the people who are sitting and watching the game. They obviously talked about how George Kittle absolutely destroyed everybody. Jimmy Garoppolo Sunday Night Football performance was typical of his 2019 season as a whole. He's a you know he managed the game. In other words, he's a game manager. Some intermediate shots. Put the ball in a good place, blah, 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 blah. Can't find any flaws with Fred Warner. Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead. Just dominated, which is great because we love to talk about our offensive line, yet we have, like, banner games for defensive linemen when they come to Green Bay or when when they play Green Bay. It's incredible. This top-tier offensive line seems seems to give some teams their best games of the year. It's weird. But then you flip over to the Packers, and what do they say? Well, Alex Light struggled. Defense wasn't great, but Zadarius had a good game. Cornerback Kevin King really struggled tonight. He was turned inside out for George Kittle's long touchdown in the third quarter, and outside of that, King was always a step behind, and he was targeted when he was targeted in coverage. Imagine that. Just over it, man. And look, I mean, it it, it goes across the board. I've, I've been saying 
we got guys that we want to talk about, but they need to, you know, be about it. Don't talk about it, be about it. Kevin King likes to talk. He's not about it. Jair even. I mean, when was the last time he had just an absolute tear-it-up game? I don't know. Maybe this was a decent... I think he gave up at least one touchdown in this game, so that's not great. I just... I don't know. I don't, I don't remember him really doing much this year other than maybe real early on when the defense was doing stuff. But getting back to the original point, what really is the team? And I think the, the biggest problem with this is I don't care if the Packers lose to the 49ers. That doesn't really bother me. What bothers me is the way in which we lost to the 49ers. What bothers me is this this sort of layout of this is how you completely obliterate the Packers. And this has been a thing for a long time. Certain teams know exactly how to play the Packers, especially because Mike McCarthy doesn't have a lot of creativity. But there seems to be a way in which you can, you can just feel when the Packers are going to lose, and it happens in the first quarter. That's problematic. And, it, it, you know, we can talk about bad play calling, all this stuff. I, I don't know. Because you've got players that just don't want to show up. And I, I you know... I'm not giving him a pass, Matt LaFleur, or Petten for that matter, but you can just see on the looks of the players' faces, you can tell by the drop passes, this team is not ready. And maybe that maybe that's the biggest coaching problem. Why are they not ready after a bye? And I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt. This is redemption, right? Remember I said that? You got embarrassed last time you went to the West Coast because you weren't prepared and you weren't taking care of yourself and you didn't really care. And he came out and he played like garbage. And this is an opportunity to show that this time we're going to be ultra-focused. Is that too true, Geronimo? Are you ultra-focused in this game? Lindsley, Bakhtiari, Rogers, Devontae, Kevin, Jair. You guys ultra-focused in this game? Is this what ultra-focused looks like? Or is this just another, I had a lot of fun on my bye. I'm kicking back. Life's good. I'm young and I'm rich. And I look good. And we're going back to Cali beautiful weather gonna live it up and then you know i'm just gonna smoke this team because i'm just that good man it's not about being just that good it's about being prepared it's about putting in the work yeah maybe you did and you just got whooped i don't know but look i mean this this does nothing but help the anti-packers folks when they say this team isn't for real because look I, i did it to every other team we can do it again we beat the bears by seven that's more embarrassing than it is impressive we beat the vikings that's just good across the board Beat the Broncos, who cares? Lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. Beat the Cowboys in Dallas, that is impressive. Nearly lost to the Lions, that's embarrassing. Beat the 49ers, who cares? But it was an impressive win. See, I'm, I'm even having a hard time doing it, which is a good thing. Beat the Mahomesless Kansas City Chiefs, but it was 31-24, to and it was in Kansas City, and it's still a good team. The Chiefs went on to beat the Vikings the very next week. So, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know, man. Because even that Philadelphia Eagles lost. Look, the, the, there were two really ugly games, and it was the Chargers, and it was the 49ers. As as I'm going through it, even trying to rip the Packers, I, I just I can't do it. Because even if you look at that Eagles game, yeah, it shouldn't have gone that way. The Eagles are whatever. They're not that great. Still, 27-34, that's still somewhat of a hard-fought battle. It should have been better. It was pretty ugly. But the, the worst part about the Chargers and the 49ers games is the fact that it was so ugly. And you look at it and just say, this is not a, a playoff-caliber, Super Bowl-caliber team. Now, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Just get into the playoffs, and hopefully you're better by then. But something has to something has to happen. And if I'm Matt Lafleur, and I know he's much more of a laid back guy, and just let people be who they are, it's time to start cracking the whip and just start shaming people because this is embarrassing. And and the thing is, the funny thing is, when the team's having a bad day, certain people tend to fall off, and other people just don't. Zadarius didn't have a bad day because Zadarius is about putting in the work. Zadarius got a massive contract, but he doesn't care. He's not out just enjoying the sun. He's not out just. Whatever. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're doing. 
but that was garbage. Next week, we play the New York Giants. There needs to be some kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a rhythm we got to get into. It's going to be hard if, if Balaga's out long term. I don't know the situation there. I know it's a knee injury, and I know that he was ruled out the rest of the game relatively early, which is not usually a good sign. When he goes out, and then they check him out, and they're like, nope, he's done. Not great, but I don't know. We'll see. But, I mean, look, the story of this year is not that the Packers are a bad team. That's just not the story. They were bad twice, maybe three times. I mean, I'm not going to say they're bad. Every, every time you lose, you're bad. But there were, there were two games for sure, the Chargers and the 49ers, where you look at it and go, this is scary how ugly this is. And even Matt LaFleur said something to the effect of there are several things that are concerning, and I think concerning is a very good word. Because, again, it's not about the loss. I don't care that we lost to the 49ers. If, if I didn't watch the game and just went to bed and woke up and said, what happened? And somebody said, oh, the, the 49ers want to be like, ah, shucks. That's a good team. Yeah, darn it. But you, you kind of half expected it. What was it 50-50 in your mind we're going to win the game at best? Some of the more diehards, okay, we're, we, we're, you know, I'm not just talking about a gut feeling. Everybody probably had a gut feeling at some point or another, like, this is going to be a good game. I mean, realistically. But, again, it's the way in which they lost. It's the bad habits coming out. It's some guys just completely not showing up at all. It's not like, you know, one guy fell off one play and then another guy, and it's just, you know, just a collection of oops-a-daisies. It's just a pile of guys that are just like, I don't know. And in both cases, I mean, the offensive line in both of those games was not good. And I, I understand really good pass rushers, and maybe that's just the problem. The Packers are having a real hard time against top-tier pass rushers, which seems silly Considering they played the Bears and the Vikings and the Broncos and the Eagles and the Cowboys and the... That's kind of it outside of the Chargers and the 49ers, I guess. It seems to me they can handle their business. I, you know, I don't know. The loss isn't the end of the world. The problem is to identify the real serious issues and say, what do we do about this? How do we stop from getting into these habits? How do we, how, how do we prepare better to be in the game so that... Because, look... If we go into a game assuming Corey Lindsley is just going to get whooped on, the offensive line in general is going to get whooped on, the run game isn't going to get going because, again, the offensive line can't block, the corners aren't going to be able to cover, there's no point in even playing the game. It's already over. So in a sense, the game was over before it ever started, which is why I'm, I'm not super putting it on uh, Matt LaFleur, even though, sure, I'm, I'm, he even said we got outcoached in this game, which, sure, that's true. But, what, I mean, you tell me what we should have done that would have worked. Again, I, I just came out with we need to get into third and short. What what were they, 0-14 on third down conversions or something ridiculous? So what good would that have done? Maybe we've converted a few more. We wouldn't have won the game. Because, again, it's not even a coaching thing. And even so, the reason we weren't in third and short, I don't even think that's Matt LaFleur's fault. Yes, I know he threw it deep to Devontae. That doesn't mean Matt LaFleur goes into his ear and is like, throw it to Devontae deep. No, he, he it's a play. And on the play, there's multiple routes. And within multiple routes, you have multiple options. But Aaron Rodgers gets nervous... And when he gets nervous, he wants to do what he feels comfortable with. And what he feels comfortable with is his arm and Devontae Adams as a wide receiver. So he looks at it and says, hey, it's single coverage. I'm going to trust myself to throw a perfect ball and Devontae to come down with it. And we're going to really spark this thing. And I get that. But when nothing's working, stop it. Like, look, if you want to do it once, like we're down by seven, we're kind of playing the dink and dunk game, and we're just going to uncork one right here. But when things are really getting ugly... You really just got to hunker down and just take the little bits at a time and just try to cobble together first downs and get enough of them that you can score a couple points to claw your way back into this. And then you can start opening things up a little bit. But he's trying to force it all the time, and I don't understand it. It's just, I don't know if it's just fear and a lack of trust in 
in the scheme and in the running backs and in the blocking and in everything else. And he's just like, I, I, I just, I trust nobody and I'm, I'm putting this on my own back and I'm going to make this happen. I just, I don't know. Anyways, I, I got to take a break. Cause I'm supposed to be done now. Let's take a break and talk about a couple other things. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I, I just I, I guess in, in the end of this thing, I'll just combat a few um, over-the-top horrible things. Um, I, I, somebody on Twitter started commenting on absolutely everything, and I, I don't know who he is, but he's one of those people that makes me feel good about myself because he is wildly over-the-top as far as the negativity. Um, Adam, for example... He got mad at Darnell Savage, said he didn't know why we traded for Darnell Savage after he got ear-holed and went out for a couple plays. Uh, Rodgers is not a superstar quarterback, which presumably means that if a quarterback has a bad day, he's not a superstar, which is to say there's never been a superstar quarterback. Play calling sucks. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't really think you do either, but entirely possible. And then my favorite, yep, Gary Overburns, good idea. For the record, Brian Burns had a sack in this game. It was his first sack since week six. He's got a PFF grade of basically average, which is more than Gary has, but let's try to remember that Brian Burns is a full-time pass rusher. Rashawn Gary is in once every 50 plays. And look, I'm, I'm, I was a, Bear, I was a Gary, uh, Burns fan. I liked Burns. I wanted Burns. I would have been happy with Burns. I just, I, I, you, you got to stop with this. Uh, looking at some of the text messages that got sent in, Eric said, my goodness, that was pathetic. Truth. Mr. Bearded Buck Company said, uh, well, that ruined my weekend. Also true. And then I guess the last thing I'll cover, and we'll go more into the Facebook group, I guess, tomorrow, because, um, I, again, I'm, I'm really late here. But I uh, had a question, and he, he rightly said he didn't want to put it in the Facebook group, and I think that was the right decision, because um would not have gone well. And I just want everyone to be patient as I read this. Just relax, listen, we're almost done. Here's the question. At what point are we doing more damage to our draft picks than good to our season? Personally, I don't see a Super Bowl after this destruction of a game, so when do you think we reach that point? Now, I, I've just been uploading podcasts um, in the On This Day in Packers history, the afternoon episodes. And essentially, at this, this was the time of year when I decided... It was over. And what I talked about was basically there's three camps for this, if I can remember. Number one would be you root for the Packers no matter what. As long as they're breathing, you cheer for them to win because you always want them to win. Number two would be as long as there's any kind of statistical ability for them to get into the playoffs, you continue rooting for them. And I can sympathize with that. Now, I had, I had said that that was the right thing to do until basically a year ago last year when the Packers were about 3%. 
And what I said was very similar to what, um, I don't know who this is. I need a name with this. But what this questioner is saying, which is the third option, which is when you get to the point where you've assessed that you're not going to have a chance. And I, I guess that, see, it's, it's a very open and broad thing. Then it's time to shut it down. Now, I, I, I'm very far from that point. The Packers are, they're an 8-3 and three team. They're number one in the NFC North. I, I am very, very far from shut down the season. And, and beyond that, the, the Packers aren't going to get a good draft pick anyways. I mean, they're, they're going to, I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I don't even know how to really interact with this. Even if we suggest that we tank to the point of losing to the Giants and the Redskins, and, and this gets to the point, and people were arguing this last year, and I said I don't really buy it, but it does get to the point where you're doing more damage than good to your team and to your locker room. If you lose to the Giants and the Redskins, that's terrible. And if we say, okay, well, let's beat them, well, then we're a 10-win team. How good of a draft pick are we going to get? Beyond that, the only games left to lose after that basically are divisional games. So you want to tank to the Vikings and to the Bears and to the Lions? I don't. I mean, there was a point at which I said, yes, I'd rather lose to the Lions, which sent people just completely off into the crazy zone. Because, again, I'm, I'm trying to to get picks here. But at this point, no. I think confidence plays a much bigger part of this, especially with a first-year head coach. You want to end with a positive thing. And at the end of the day, if the, if the Packers go on to win every game, let's just say except the Vikings game, regardless of who wins the division, regardless of how well they go into the, into the playoffs, we're going to look back on the season as a very, very good season. Essentially, if the Packers can beat the Giants, the Redskins, the Bears, and the Lions, get into the playoffs, and let's just say they lose right away. Looking back on this is going to be one of those times when we're going to have two thoughts. Number one, this was a very, very good season. Number two, we were kind of silly for being so negative. And I understand it's not going to do very much for us in the draft, but there's also kind of a a question of how much better of a pick are you getting at pick 16 compared to 21 or 14 compared to 21. And really, that's what we're talking about. The Packers aren't going to get that much better of a pick, even if we lose out and somehow miss the, the playoff. Last year, we had pick 12, and we were just the worst. What are we going to get this year, 15, 16? And if you get into the playoffs and lose, you're at 21. So, no, I definitely don't want to go that route. And, and, and again, I'm somebody who sympathizes with that idea in general, but that's when the season is over, when there's no playoff hopes. And even if you somehow miraculously make it into the playoffs, you're not going because the the dysfunction is so deep. And look, I know the dysfunction in this game was bad, as was the the situation with the Chargers. But again, I'd like to turn your attention to the fact that the Packers beat the Carolina Panthers, holding them to 16 points. The Packers beat the Kansas City Chiefs, which is not a gimme. The Packers completely wrecked the Oakland Raiders. And I know the Raiders just got beat, but that was the the Raiders essentially going through what the Packers went through. They're not that bad of a team, but they just got whooped on. Packers beat them 42-24. to Packers beat the Lions. Beating the Cowboys at home is a really, really big deal. And they scored 34 points in that game. Defense only gave up 24. That's a really impressive game. That might be one of the most impressive of the season. They scored 27 on the Denver Broncos defense, which is a very good defense. They held the Vikings to 16 and and won 21 to 16, and they beat the Bears. And and there's no question the offense has gotten better since that point when they scored 10 against the Bears and 21 against the Vikings. I mean, this is is a low point, but, you know, whatever. The 49ers just kind of had the Packers number. And again, let's not forget, Kyle Shanahan knows Matt LaFleur's offense inside and out. They were very prepared for this. And and, and it's almost like an older brother just picking on a younger brother because he's not only bigger and stronger, 
but he knows you inside and out. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses, and he just, they just kind of took advantage of it. They were just having fun. They know Matt LaFleur's offensive playbook better than, than Matt LaFleur knows it himself. He's a first-year head coach, man. And you could say, well, it's the same the other way around. Yeah, but not to the same degree. Kyle Shanahan has been working his system and tweaking it for three years. Matt LaFleur is taking the Kyle Shanahan system and implementing it for the first time. He's just trying to teach the team how to run the basics right now. It's a different situation. So whatever. Let's move on. We've got the New York Giants and an opportunity to, to, just, to just feel good again. That's what this team needs, to feel good. You know how much money we're going to make in the stock market game against the Giants and the Redskins? These are tycoon maker games. And yeah, the, the next three are not gimmies, but whatever. We're 10 wins after the Giants and the Redskins. And I'm, I'm just saying it out loud without any reservation. We are 10 wins after these two games. And after watching that Chicago Bears game, I, I don't know how we lose that game, especially in Lambeau. That offense is just the worst. And they, they could hardly score points against the Redskins, or excuse me, against the Giants, who have one of the worst defenses in football. Now we play the Minnesota Vikings, and are we going to beat the Vikings? I don't know. It's going to be tough. I don't, I don't, you know. But again, who cares? 11 wins at that point. And then if we beat the Detroit Lions, we're a 12-win team. And maybe we win the division, depending on what the Vikings do. If the Vikings fall one game, then guess what? We're still number one in the division. We won the division, having lost to the 49ers and the Vikings, because the Vikings have to be perfect the rest of the year to win the division, assuming the Packers beat the Giants, Redskins, Bears, and Lions. So, and and listen, I said this going into it, and I understand that this has a really bad flavor to it. It has a bad taste because of how bad it was. But I I, I said all we have to do is beat the Giants, the Redskins, the Bears, and the Lions. I don't know if I said this, actually. I'm sure I did at some point. This isn't what I was thinking, though. And then root for the Vikings to lose a game. And that's it. You win the division in the playoffs. Bing, bam, boom. Yeah, the 49ers are seated higher. So what? Saints are seated higher. So what? Shouldn't they be? Saints have been at this thing for how long? How long with the same coach have they been trying and grinding to try to make this thing work, and they finally had a good team last year, and they got smoked in the worst possible ways over the last couple years? So what if they're seated higher? So what if the 49ers are seated higher? They've been at this thing forever trying to get this win, trying to get this championship, trying to get... Fine. So we come in on the bottom and we grind it out, and hopefully we end up playing the Saints instead of the 49ers because we don't want to go back out to the West Coast. Beat the Cowboys... I mean, that would be pretty nice if we're, you know, the highest seed and end up playing like the Cowboys because they're the lowest seed in Lambeau, win that game, go to New Orleans, beat the Saints in New Orleans, which is not going to be easy, but it's not impossible. Then, you know, maybe the Vikings end up beating the 49ers and we can play Minnesota in Lambeau Field and, and, you know, beat them to go on our way to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, you know, to directly answer the question, no, we're, we're not tanking, we're not going there. Because we're, we're, not, we're not there. I mean, this, this last year was a situation where the Packers had a 3% chance of even getting into the playoffs, and they were just they were a garbage football team on the verge of firing their head coach. And we had the potential of being a top three draft pick. So, yeah, it was a different scenario. But anyways, I'm, I'm way, way late. we got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>